Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Akeem's Dream Show. On today's episode, I have a very special guest, my youngest brother and my only brother, Dexter Brown. Dexter, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, as we turn on the PlayStation and uh, start playing some sports games, I thought we could talk about sports to lead things off. Um, you are known as an extraordinary athlete. You've been doing sports your whole life and uh, just wanted to maybe have you share some stories about how you got into sports and what sports you started playing first. Extraordinary. Wow. Um, Extraordinaire. That's how they say it in French. Yeah, something like that. No, um, well, started with basketball after, uh, started with basketball after Akeem, you went into basketball. Mom, you know, I just wanted to, I guess, follow in your footsteps and play some basketball. But, um, didn't you play soccer first, though? Yeah, I mean, everybody played soccer, so it's not—I don't really count that as a, you know, as a first sport because it wasn't really my first love or anything like that. But really, found out that I was pretty athletic playing basketball. That's how it kind of all got started. Yeah. Yeah, you were so fast. I remember uh, Kyle Nannan, one of our coaches, used to say that your feet think faster than your brain. Yeah, that's that's always been a problem. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, it never kind of went away, honestly. Because you get a breakaway and then, like, outrun the dribble? Yeah. Yeah, I have many travels in my life <laughs> from, from just straight up just running way too fast and not knowing what I'm doing. Yeah, for sure. No, basketball is uh, it's a good sport to learn, get the kind of get the hand-eye coordination going, and then you can do it, try other sports. But you played basketball all the way through high school, right? Well, until grade 11, then I tore my ACL and my meniscus. Damn. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, it's part of the journey, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, if, if I didn't tear my ACL, if I didn't tear my meniscus and sit out my grade 12 year of playing basketball, and then um, that I wouldn't have been able to kind of play at Carleton, you know, it kind of all goes full circle. It's crazy how things happen, you know, you don't really, ex you don't expect anything, but things just kind of fall into place as they, as they are, and then you end up, you know, in where you are. 100%. Yeah, you never know where things are going to take you and then you just end up uh uh things make things make sense in things make sense in reverse when you kind of live your life and you go backwards you're like, oh, "Okay, that makes sense why that happened." And like you said, you wouldn't have ended up in Carlton. By the way, I thought uh Carlton didn't have a football team. Yeah, I mean, I was super lucky. I don't know how it happened, but you know, when when I came to Ottawa in 2012, I stumbled upon the Ottawa Sooners football team. And uh, I guess from there, I heard that the Carleton football team was starting a, uh, a new new program. And uh, just so happens I was in the right place, right time, uh, visiting my dad in Ottawa and uh, bought a pair of cleats at Sport Check, bought a pair of gloves, went over, <laughs> went over to the field and just was in my street clothes and kind of just asked if I can uh, do a little tryout. And from there, uh, you know, Ended up getting uh, MVP of the team. Uh, had a great season, and then uh, got my way onto Carlton from there. So, wow! I, I did you even have to try out to Carlton after you were the MVP? I mean, everybody has to try out. Like it's it's more of a it's not necessarily a tryout, and just more of like a where you're gonna be in the depth chart essentially. Like you you we did cut because obviously first year 2013 there was about 115 guys at the first camp. Wow! And most of them were 19, 20 year olds. Like we we Coach Samara did like he didn't want to bring people in who were older guys like fourth fifth year guys or guys who were like only had one or two years left in school because 
we were trying to build a program. We were right. To, we were trying to build uh, something and 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 carry uh, you know with with the young guys all the way through to their fifth years and um, and that's what we did. Like build a culture. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. No, I could imagine that was pretty intense. And I remember seeing pictures of you and uh, you took you took me on a little tour of the athletic facility. You were like, everyone was like, oh, hey, Dexter, what's up, man? What's good? What's good? It felt like you were a little mini celebrity. And then mom brought home that magazine one day of like you on the cover. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Can you tell us like what it was like to be the guy on campus, like the football star? What was that whole lifestyle like? Well, I mean, I can, I, first and foremost, wasn't the football star <laughs> we uh there was a lot of amazing players on our team i was definitely i was definitely a good player and i, I had a lot of success but i mean i was not the guy um uh, some other guys like that uh you know that are gone on to play some uh a lot of years in in the cfl and a lot of guys who are still playing in the cfl so um those guys i would say are more of the uh were more of the stars i was i was a good player i was a starter and everything but yeah it, it was fun though. I mean, just wearing, you know, wearing your, your, your Carlton Ravens football, you know, gear all over campus and people just, you know, you, you know, tell us about some of the perks, like some of the perks you wouldn't think that a football player gets. I mean, to be fair in Canada, you don't get a lot of perks. <laughs> don't you get a Hummer or something? Oh fuck. I wish. <laughs> no. I, I mean, dad did have a H3. So I was, oh, yeah. I was cruising around that and, uh, that's right. In yeah. second year and third year and stuff. But yeah, no, I mean, uh, there was no perks. Like there was no, it was, you know, we were expected to sit at the front of the class and we were expected to have the same grades as everybody else who were just normal students. Oh, wow. I mean, you, you can kind of say it's a little bit unfair. I mean, I thought it was unfair because I mean, not necessarily unfair, you know, because we're all in university, we're all in the same class, but we just had, uh, you know, the varsity athlete workload is just, it's so immense that, um, you know, it doesn't really compare to like a part-time job. Essentially, it's more of like a, a full-time job as you're a as you're a full-time student. So, right. And didn't you work during school too? Yeah, I worked a bunch of different jobs. I worked at Joey's. I worked for Dad. I worked uh, at local. I did I don't know, just all kind of random stuff. And you've always had a passion for cooking. I mean, we kind of started with your first sports experience, and now we're all the way at Carlton. Uh, and you went all the way to play in France, but I want to kind of switch gears here for a second and talk about your love for cooking. Cause I think a lot of the people who know me, uh, know about you through, yes, your athletic endeavors, but they also know about you through your culinary, uh, pursuits. Can you tell us about where your love for food kind of came about? Because I remember when we were growing up, it was like all about the pizza pops and the oh, yeah. Ma Mountain Dew and, and, uh, you know, our mom like made sure that we ate healthy, but Try teaching, try telling a teenage think, boy yeah. what to eat, right? Like, I think the reason you and I aren't extremely obese <laughs> is because uh, we played a lot of sports. And I think that's pretty much the only reason. Right. No, but... Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, we started with, uh, you know, just trying to get the perfect crust on a grilled cheese sandwich, you know? <laughs> Stuff like that. It, and it started with, uh, you know, trying to, trying to make sure my mac and cheese was extremely creamy. And, you know, like mm. I had the perfect texture. And, the, and from there, it kind of just you know, unfolded into this, like, oh, it's, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, I'm not feeding myself just so I can have calories so I can live. It's, you know, this is an art form, you know, this is, this is something right. that you can pursue. And, and especially when I didn't get into any post-secondary schools, you know, uh, I was kind of looking around, I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? You know, after I tore my, you had knee the knee up. injury. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was just like, Hey, well, uh, culinary school, you know, people, I don't think they have very many, uh, very high, uh, what's it called acceptance criteria to get into, uh, 
culinary school. So culinary arts. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to get in and then I only did half a semester until I came to Ottawa and then played for the Sooners there. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was, uh, I remember when you first got your knife kit. Uh, so everyone thinks that, Oh, a kitchen knife is a kitchen knife is a kitchen knife. Absolutely not. And, uh, I learned really fast that when Dexter brought home this fancy Japanese or German style knife, I'm not sure what it was. German. The, the ones they give you at, at culinary school are, or they're not necessarily, I mean, they're German not German. steel or something. They're, they're honestly not very good knives that you get in culinary school, but they're, they're better than pretty much anything that is in people's kitchens, unless you're going and you're getting like a proper knife. Yeah. I mean the knife, like the one thing you taught me is like, if you have a good knife, you shouldn't have to be putting a lot of effort down when yeah. you're chopping and stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. So, I mean, it's like one of those things where I'm like, oh, wow, there's like a lot more to this than I, I thought originally. And uh, yeah, so you went down that journey and then you started cooking dinners for us and yeah. you were like all into it. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And I got my first job at uh, Original Joe's working in the kitchen. And I remember just making, uh, you know, bar food, pub food, just burgers and yeah. steak sandwiches and shit like that. And, you know, that, that was when I wasn't in school or anything and or playing football. It was kind of a degenerate drinking a lot and stuff you it's know? all good man living living the line cook life you know when you're 18 19 that's the time to get out your kitchen confidential story right yeah for sure that's, <laughs> that's exactly what i did yeah. yeah did you do any traveling back then i don't mm, think no 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 traveling Just, i mean well yeah no no traveling no when did you kind of and you've been traveling a lot recently too like in the span of five years you like went every place i ever wanted to go <laughs> But I know before that you went to, uh, in junior high, didn't you go to like Rome or something oh, or okay, Italy? Yeah, yeah sorry. In, in grade, uh, grade nine. Well, I mean, you went to, you went to Italy, right? You yeah. We just, we just did all of Italy. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did, we did basically all of Spain. Um, oh, so sweet. That's I wish, right, yeah. I wish I remember more of it, honestly, because it happened, you know, you, when you're, when you're 14 years old and you're on a school trip to Spain, you don't understand the, uh, the, the, the culture and you don't understand the food properly. Right. You're just there and you're like. Oh, this is fun. It's nice and warm here. And you know, you don't, you don't really understand it. You don't really take it all in. So I would say my first trip where I really took it all in was, uh, um, when I went to Iceland, uh, right after you, you finished school. Yeah. No, that was right before I finished school. Actually, was it, or wasn't it like know. a grad reward trip or something? No, it wasn't. A, it was, I think it was a grad trip. Yeah. It was 2017. Um, that's kind of when it all started really. So the Iceland trip kind of scratched or you like you're like oh this is another kind of thing I'm yeah it's not just going to uh you know somewhere in mexico and staying at a five star and just sitting getting on the beach blitzed and, and just, yeah you know sitting on the beach and getting burnt and getting drunk for seven days straight not that there's anything against that i mean people like doing it and you know i i enjoy doing it once or twice but um you know to to do it every time you want to go on a vacation i just feel like there's so much more out there there's so much more culture and food to try and different experiences that you can only have if you're like not on a resort getting tanned and drunk the whole time. You know? And I mean, it kind of makes sense looking back. You and I are kind of low key nerds that nobody really knows that we are <laughs> like, I would maybe I'll speak for what I know of you growing up. Like we were both really into Lord of the Rings and star Wars and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And the, I think why I like that, I'm not sure about you is I like the world building and the mythology behind these, these, yeah. these stories. Yeah. So when you travel, you kind of get a real world, uh, mythology or you get to live in another person's culture yeah. and it kind of like reflects that that what made us fall in love with those with those kind of nerdy uh you know pop culture things yeah like, it kind of builds like a, a world for you like it like in iceland for example like there was you know there's a lot of viking culture there right and uh you know i didn't to be completely honest like i studied geography in in university but like i didn't understand 
you know, Viking culture or what it meant or, you know what I mean? Or like yeah. how important it was for, you know, trailing going across the Atlantic and, you know, all everything that has to do with Viking culture, essentially. But yeah, no, just, just kind of going around and just seeing old settlements that they built and, um, you know, trying some different, some weird food, like tried puffin and shark and stuff. Really? And was, how was that? Puffin is, is weird. Uh, shark is also weird. I mean, I think it's just weird cause it's different, you know? And, and if I grew up there and I lived my whole life there, obviously it would be, you know, I would enjoy it a little bit. Yeah, better. for sure. It's like someone coming here, they might think bison is a little weird, right? Or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that's cool, man. I mean, yeah, going to these, uh, worlds and going, not worlds, but going to these countries and experiencing the cultures and the Vikings, like you mentioned, the Vikings are interesting. I did a deep dive on them on one of my episodes and, I learned that the queen is a Viking because of the uh, area in France called Normandy mm-hmm. was settled by Vikings in the ninth century. And uh, essentially the descendants of some of the, the guy, William the, Con- William the Conqueror, was a descendant of the Vikings out of that area, which technically makes Queen Elizabeth II a Viking descendant. But anyways, yeah, so all this stuff. And you were also very interested in history, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. To this day, like you were just mentioning, you read a book by Sapiens and Yuval Never. What's his name? Yuval Noah Harari. Harari. Yeah. Wow, good memory. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's like that's a you know all these stuff, all this stuff around history and and uh, uh, you know what do you call it? Uh, what's the, what's the thing you study in university about human nature and stuff? Like it, um, it's like people and and uh, what motivates them and stuff. Not sociology, but psychology. Uh, not even psychology is another one anyways oh man it'll come to me at some point but what do you wish you studied in university i know you love geography but like if you could go again or you live another life and you study something what do you what are you interested in now maybe that's what i want to ask honestly i i'm i what i studied university i kind of i didn't really i didn't go into university being like oh i'm gonna study geography I, i went into university and like i said i didn't have good grades coming out of high school mainly because I just didn't really care for school. Um, but, uh, so I took psychology first year, um, and halfway through the second semester, I, I was, I also took it, but then I realized that, you know, psychology, you have to do a lot of school. Um, you have to know a a lot of information. Um, and, and for me, and, and also the test, the way that it was tested, it's multiple choice, uh, was a lot of the, the ways you could do testing and, for me, um, I don't work like that. My brain doesn't work like that. So geography was, you know, it. I liked what the classes were about, uh, urban urbanization and culture and uh, population. Yeah, like those type of classes to me, it just it just seemed interesting, especially with you know my interest in in history um, and how the world kind of. Anthropology, that's what it's called. Anthropology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anthrop- that's the one I was trying to think of. I yeah. did take an anthropology course too, and you know I. I like that class, but I mean, I wouldn't want to be an anthropologist necessarily because I would have to live in a completely different life. But yeah, yeah, for yeah, for some subjects I'm interested in, but there's the lifestyle which is never I would never do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like even being a doctor, like would I like to go to med school maybe for a month? Yeah. But would I want to be a doctor? Not likely. But yeah, no. To answer your question though, like I didn't like uh, I took geography and I don't I couldn't see myself taking any other class because uh, just being able to. Um, just being able to like write topics that I was, you know, that I wanted to write about. Our, our profs really left it kind of open. We could write about specific things that our class talked about, or we could bring in our own topics and relate them to the class. So 
you know, throughout university, I was writing papers on movies, on, on albums. So like one of the movies I wrote a paper on was Gangs in New York. And it, oh, yeah. And I basically wrote the paper on immigration and how the Irish um, immigrants and how they came to New York City and how New York City changed. And I used the Gangs in New York movie as kind of a backdrop for my paper, essentially. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do that in pretty much any other discipline. <laughs> So. For, for sure to have the kind of autonomy and freedom to yeah. just connect the dots that way yeah uh yeah new york is an interest have you been to new york no i've never been to new york i've never really been to the states really honestly like oh that's fair yeah. yeah no that's cool um yeah you've been to europe though tell us about where you've been and kind of like besides iceland I, I think iceland was the was the first domino yeah. and so then everything else actually part of the iceland trip so uh we did iceland for about 14 days and then we when we went to France, we went to Paris, actually. We went to Paris for one week and uh, saw the catacombs, um, which was terif- terrifying. I will never do that again. It's um, a skeleton, like the like, skulls? Everywhere. Yeah, but like hundreds and thousands of them. So like, and you're like 100 feet underground. It's, I don't know. It's cool. I'm glad I did it. Never doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just one of those things. But no, um, and I think just being in France, because, you know, going from Iceland, which was, there's literally nobody in the country, like, uh, you can drive all day and not see another car. You won't even see another tree <laughs> because this just the just the geography of it. It's it it was you know covered in ice right. not too long ago, so it doesn't really have a lot of. It's hard to have infrastructure. And well, not even infrastructure, but just wildlife in general. Like it doesn't really have a lot of it. There's reindeer, but the reindeer were brought there, right? So, right. Um, I guess yeah. So going from Iceland, where was you know nobody, <laughs> um, and then arriving into Paris, into the heart of Paris. And I've never really been to Europe other than that one time when I was 14 with a huge group of people coming out of the train and just scooters everywhere, people all over the place, you know, everybody speaking Parisian French. So it was just way, way different than anything, I, you know, anything that I was comfortable with. And and I loved it. You know, it was it really kind of like sparked an interest and um, like just the food like there's, you know, you can get a. a you can get the best croissant you've ever had in your life on every single corner of the street in the whole city, you know, and you know, that's, that's, that's unique to Paris. Yeah. You can get, you can get the best croissant. Uh, I mean, when the first thing I noticed about Paris was the smell and yes, some people knock it for having like maybe a piss smell, like but at the same time, I think it has like a very, like, um, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it just feels like, uh, it smells a bit like, <laughs> I don't know, like a green, not a greenhouse, but like a, like somebody peed. Yeah, let's just. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's no, not it's not all piss, but I mean at the same time it does it just it's got a unique air. Maybe it's the energy. I don't know what I was picking up, but I was yeah. picking up something unique about being on the street in Paris and walking around, and it's a very walky city, like walkable. I mean, yeah, definitely. and uh, it's a fun city just to peruse. Uh, I wonder if that's a Parisian. Is that Parisian? Is that a, is that a no idea. I wonder if I just discovered something perusing in Paris. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so Paris is unique. So you had that experience, Reykjavik in Iceland, and then Bearland, and then you're all of a sudden in this like huge metropolitan yeah. city, city of lights, it's city shock. of love. Yeah. Culture shock, absolute culture shock. Um, it's probably the biggest city you've ever been to to date, right? Or no, 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 up to that point. Up to that point. Maybe yeah. like maybe outside Toronto or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like. I don't know. I don't know the population of Paris. Actually, I think it might be like six million people, maybe eight. Um, but right. Tor- Toronto is getting close to that. So yeah, um, yeah. And it's also Toronto's way more spread out. Like yeah, that's that's the other thing too. 
Scarborough and all the sub- suburbs. But so you so you came back from that trip and you're like, I need to go again. And what was the next place you're like, I need to go to? Um, uh, I don't even know. Like, because didn't you go back? Didn't you? Um, oh, what? Um, no. So I didn't. I didn't go anywhere until uh, I got the the call to basically go to France to play football. Um, mm. And then while I was in France, that's when I kind of went crazy on the traveling. Right, because yeah. you were in the center of Europe, and you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so you went to all those little countries, and I remember you went to Grenoble, right? In yeah, the, well, which is uh, Eastern Gren- France. It's called uh, Grenoble. Grenoble. Yeah, you went to Grenoble, and uh, that's about an hour away from Geneva by bus, right? Uh, yeah, hour away from Geneva, also an hour away from uh, Lyon, uh, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, you have to go through the mountains, but it's also like equal distance to uh, Milan. So it's kind of like in the middle of those three cities, essentially. It's right in the middle of the mountain range. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I remember um, I just when I was visiting you there, I went on a day trip to Grenoble to sorry to Geneva. Yeah, and I was just like, this is dope. Yeah. You know, just walking and around. And, and the, everything is cheap. Like the buses are cheap. Like uh, to go to it was an hour hour bus ride to get from Grenoble to uh, Lyon, and it was five euros. <laughs> yeah, for you sure. You know, and it's like. They, they, they're pretty much just asking you to, hey, travel. Like, yeah, they, they're promoting uh, a lot of tourism. Oh, yeah. The thing that I remember the most, and I tell everyone this story about you, is when I got off the train in Grenoble, I remember I got to you, and then we walked to your apartment. Yeah. And on the way to your apartment, we stopped into some bistro, and uh, you grabbed the baguette, threw it at me, and you're like, welcome to France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that. That was uh, such a moment. Mm-hmm. Are you, uh, when it comes to... Yeah, France is also known for its like bake for its like its its culinary culture. Yeah, I mean, you think about uh, what you probably learned in culinary school with the five mother sauces and all that, the history of the French cuisine. Mm-hmm. What part of the French culinary experience kind of fascinates you the most? Uh, their ability to use the, the 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 most base ingredients, the most basic of ingredients, and just to make it so tasty. So the ability for them to make uh, to, to get like a, oh man, just being able to use like butter, the butter and eggs, mm-hmm. like you can make something incredible, <laughs> just those two things. And yeah. it, only the French could do it because I, I feel like it's cause you know, they don't, they didn't really have a lot of spices in France. That was right. more of a, that was more of an England thing. Cause they stole it from everybody. Right. Um, but it, but yeah, in France, they, they really use their base ingredients to create something amazing. So, a lot of uh, braises, like there's so many French, there's so many terms in culinary that are completely derived from the French language. Um, well, they were invented in France, actually. Um, braise is, a, is one of them is when you uh, use uh, liquid to basically cook, um, cook meat or... To braise, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that another way of like basting? Is that like No, the same basting thing? is when you take liquid and you put it on top so it's like you braise a turkey so braise like a turkey right or, yeah or no you base the turkey. turkey yeah base, base the turkey. turkey yeah you don't braise a turkey no and isn't so how did the french culinary scene become the foundation or one of the pillars of the international <clears throat> food scene well they they invented the the modern kitchen essentially so they invented uh, oh like how you set up a kitchen yeah so like the the hierarchy of it all so like you have your your main chef, your sous chefs, which is oh, another French term. Um, right. Then you have your garmanger, your saucier, um, your your. Uh, I forget the name of the uh, person who works on range because we 
those those names are kind of you know they're, they exist a lot in fine dining, but right. uh, not a lot in you know your average kind of kitchen that you see in especially in Canada. But yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, you're right. So they invented the line essentially. They so invented the line, the system. Yeah, the whole system to make it to, to be able to serve tons of people at once. Right? Like they were the assembly line inventor of the food world. Exactly. If, yeah. if I, if I and I think uh, I forget who who's the first person to start that. It might have been uh, Bus uh, Busco. 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 Yeah, I think uh, I think it was him who started that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, interesting fun fact about the the Michelin star system. It was invented by the Michelin tire guys, who were trying to sell more tires by going around and promoting restaurants right, yeah. for advertising. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool thing. That's like you know just. You'd never know that that guide or way of advertising their tires for vehicles would turn into like the most prestigious rating system for the culinary world in the world. Yeah, and and what's crazy about that the the Michelin star system like it's great. Obviously, anybody that ever is a restaurateur would want um, a Michelin star because you know just the the uh, just the recognition alone will drive in so much business to, to your restaurant. So obviously, it's great, but I it's a I. My personal opinion on it is that it can be a little biased at times, you know? I mean, you you have a small group of people saying that this food is better than another food, right? And so you, you can go to, to Mexico and get some street tacos that are some of the best food you've ever had in your life. Right. Or you can go to some, you know, fancy five-star restaurant and, you know, you could be kind of just like, oh, well, where's those, you know? Let me go back to get those cheap tacos on the side of the road. Yeah, you know, I'd so. be interested to know like what the metrics are for rating because there's got to be some equivalencies between that high-level stuff and then the street stuff that's just as good, but it's just not in a fancy place. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's one there's a few uh, like street vendors in the world that that do have a Michelin star. I think one of them is actually in in Mexico. Uh, the other one I think might be in uh, Southeast Asia somewhere. Well, I know the Jiro, uh, Jiro Sushi House in Japan. Okay. It's like underneath a train station. It's yeah. like a super grimy place, but it's got three Michelin star. Yeah. And uh, they, they made a documentary about this guy, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. And essentially about the whole documentary was about how this obscene place in like the middle of Tokyo underneath some dirty train station has some of the best sushi in the world because the sushi rice guys. Yeah. They have to fondle rice for like ten years before they're allowed to make an actual yeah. sushi roll. And, and honestly, like <laughs> I've I've made a lot of sushi just from from uh, my experience in kitchens and stuff like that. And I can tell you right now, it's not an easy process. Like it it seems like an easy thing because you're just mixing like seasoning with with rice. But the way you cook the rice, the way how you season it properly, the you know the temperature of the rice, like everything matters. Yeah. Um. And it, you know, to to an untrained palate, it can all you know. If you go to Unlimited Sushi or if you go to like an amazing five-star sushi restaurant, you may not be able to to tell the difference between the rice, but you know, right. that is that is like almost the most important thing. Like ob obviously the quality of the fish is is amazingly important, but yeah. Yeah, I mean the quality of the rice, like something as simple as overcooking it or undercooking it yeah. or how it sticks together, all these variables the documentary was so so interesting. It yeah. made me think, okay, yeah, okay, there is something to this. Like there's a reason why you know, out of the million, not a million, but thousand maybe uh, sushi shops in Tokyo, Thousands, this yeah. one sticks out. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to, to say about um, perfecting your craft. And that's one thing I've always admired about you, Dexter, is you're very, you're very, you're, you get a craft and you perfect it. Like you're running your routes. I remember you're telling these like rookie receivers one time, 
about their head bobbling too much when they're running yeah. routes. I'm like, that's a very minute detail, but I mean, imagine. But it, it makes a difference, right? Especially, you know, if you're running a route against a DB who knows what he's looking for, right? And then, you know, if, if everything looks the same, then then he doesn't know what's up, right? So you can go, you can, you have him on his toes or on his heels, I guess. And I guess that, that, that uh, personality trait of yours of like, not perfectionism, but just making things like just honing your craft and whatever it is. Yeah. Did that translate? Does that translate to everything? Cause I, cause if you're going to have the same head movement and then you cut garlic the same way and everything happens the same way, mm-hmm. like, how do you think about being creative? Like, is it like, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you, uh, develop a creative process off of that? Or like, would you Not consider sure. yourself as a creative person? I mean, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely wouldn't consider myself like a like overly creative person. Like I've never really been an artist or anything like that. But you used to write poetry and stuff, didn't you? No. I'm, or I, raps and stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think that was me being creative. I think it was just me just, you know, fucking around with my friends. Like, oh, fair enough. Yeah. You just, okay. So <laughs> no rap career there? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a SoundCloud account out there no, we can no, find? No. All right. If we find the SoundCloud account, folks, I'll put it in the description. No yeah, problem. Please. Thank you. No issues. No issues at all. So now you're into biking, eh? Big time. Well, honestly, it's not necessarily just biking. It's like obviously I love biking, but it's I just love uh, hiking outdoors and outside. Yeah, yeah, just like being outside, you know. And like I think you know because now that my work is, I, it's I kind of have like a nine to five, just sitting all day kind of job. And honestly, I just want to go outside. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'm just I'm just finding reasons to go outside, and you know, it, it, I don't necessarily want to walk because you know I spent my entire life running. So you know, if, if it's if it's not uh, if I'm going outside, it's going to be either a run or a bike. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you live here in uh, beautiful Quebec. It's a very nice, lots of hills, lots of trails, lots oh, yeah. of uh, rivers and lakes and stuff. Uh, is there a place in the world? And I know that you go to Canmore a lot in Alberta, where we're from, where we grew up at least. And you like all the kind of mountain ranges and oh, stuff yeah. there. So one of, but, sorry, what, just cut you off. One of my, one of my goals in life in yeah. general is to, uh, um, to, hike a mountain every year until i die damn so i want to be on top of a mountain every single year until i die that's serious yeah. what, what uh every what about every mountain range that would be also really cool i mean there's only like that'd, 10 that'd be tough there's right. only like 10 of them yeah. right yeah i mean i don't really see myself going to like the himalayas anytime soon uh you know i have other places i want to go in the world i want to go to the andes the andes mountain range the andes yeah uh, what kind of, didn't, was there a mountain range in, uh, New Zealand when you went? Yeah, there's mountains there. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of mountains. What was the, did you hike there's there? Glaciers and stuff. Oh yeah. We did a lot of hikes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And New Zealand is amazing. New Zealand is like, uh, a, there's no predators at all. There's no snakes. There's, there's barely any spiders. There's, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's no like no huge wolves. mammals that can come kill you or whatever, you know, it's it's a very uh, safe place to go and kind of get lost in. Um, Fair enough. You yeah. don't have to bring bring like bear mace or something. Yeah, there's no bear mace. Yeah, it's it. And I mean, compared to Australia, I mean, like compared to oh Australia, my god, everything wants to kill you. So if you go to New Zealand, nothing wants to kill you, and then you cross over, <laughs> and everything wants to kill you. But yeah. And you went to Australia too, right? Yeah. So my my trip that that, that whole yeah, trip, t- yeah talks about that trip. Yeah. So that whole trip was. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things I always wanted to do in my life, I want to do like a long, a long duration kind of vacation. So Joey's where I was working, thankfully gave me the opportunity to do that. Um, 
and still kind of, uh, you know, come back right into my position. Actually, I got promoted right after I came back. But wow. that's, that's another story. Um, so, yeah, my trip started. Uh, we went to San Francisco for one day. I mean, it was just more of a layover. And then uh, went to Tahiti for three days. Um, Tahiti was amazing. I mean, I just ate mangoes and bananas for two days straight. Um, right. Uh, and then after that, um, went over to New Zealand, did kind of the, the whole New Zealand thing where we started in the north and then uh, went all the way down. We went to Hobbiton, uh, did the whole North Island, went on a couple wine tours. That was incredible. And then um, went to the south, which the south is where a lot of the mountain ranges are. And the, the glaciers and the fjordlands and, um, and all that. Just massive, massive, like untouched land, basically. Like where it's just nature and just beautiful scenery and everything like that. It was, it was awesome. Like I definitely want to go back to New Zealand. I definitely want to go to uh, Queenstown uh, one more time. Which is uh, basically like, I would consider it to be like a, kind of like the Kelowna. The oh, Kelowna, wow. The Kelowna of like uh, New Zealand, Australia kind of thing. Cool. Where it's like a lake, mountains, everybody's doing extreme sports, everybody's hiking. There's mountain biking, there's there's so much stuff to do. And and also the, the age, the age of people is so young there too. Like you don't see old people. Right. You know, and so that's also... You know, amazing part of it too, and the food is incredible. Would you call it? Would you call New Zealand like a warmer Iceland? No, I would call New Zealand like a warmer BC. A warmer BC. Yeah, yeah. Iceland, cool. Iceland. There's, there's, there's not a whole lot of stuff in Iceland. It's a pretty bare place. There's, there's a, a lot of waterfalls, and that's really about it. Glaciers and stuff. Yeah. So then after New Zealand, um, flew over to Australia. Did um, I forget what the road's called? But I did the the road. Uh, from Melbourne to Adelaide, I forget what the road's called. Um, and then I went to like Grampians National Park. And then, so after Melbourne, there was Sydney, Sydney to, um, Sydney was amazing. Um, but Sydney to Gold Coast, Gold Coast to Brisbane, and then uh, Brisbane to Keynes. Um, so this was all over the course of two weeks. Wow. And then from Keynes, to, I went to Darwin. So never going back to Darwin, but. Uh, there's nothing to do there. I spent 10 hours there. This is the layover. And then uh, I spent the last uh, two and a half weeks of my trip in uh, Bali. Oh, was, cool. Which was amazing. And Bali is like the Ibiza of Southeast Asia or what? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really want to compare those two things, but um, Bali is kind of its own little thing. And it's it has like a you know an interesting reputation, but I mean, it's whatever reputation people say it is. And, you know, you can't really talk negative about uh Cheap, hey. cheap food and uh, good weather, beaches and uh, yoga. You know, it's, those are all good things. So, yeah, man. I mean, uh, Ibiza is not necessarily got a negative connotation. They're just fun, no, right? For sure. Yeah. No. It's I, like, I'm just it's, saying, it's like, like Vegas or something. It's, you can't really compare them. Like they're not comparable. Like in my opinion. No. Yeah. No, for sure. Cool. Uh, yeah. So you've been all. So we've been around the globe. We've been up and down the sports world. Uh, we've talked a little bit about your schools adventures and stuff like that and now you're into biking and all this outdoor stuff um tell us a little bit about your kind of like indoor uh let's say hobbies of the video games and uh sports and stuff i know you've been following sports your whole life and you've been playing video games your whole life if you could only have one uh let's say you could only watch sports for the rest of your life or play video games which would it be oh man I think I would only watch sports because 
video games are fun. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love playing video games. But um, I can watch sports on TV. You can go to sports events. And there's nothing like a sport event. You know, there's nothing like... Um, there's nothing like just competition. And you, you, yes, you can get that from video games, but um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely sports. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I just love watching amazing athletes do incredible things. I'm with you on that, 100%. Yeah. yeah, it could be, it doesn't matter what the sport is. Yeah. I mean, we've, we were talking recently about the UFC and how that's kind of taken off, and yeah. you like watching that. What, what kind of drew you to the UFC? Or to to mix martial arts in well, general. I mean, I was, was it karate movies or no, no, no? I mean Claude Van Damme of course, in, I mean, yeah. in Ong, Ong Bloodsport. Ong Bak, yeah, <laughs> that was low key lit. Yeah. That movie. Um, no, I mean, uh, I don't really know. I mean, I, I feel like I just kind of always watched it, never never consistently until like this last year or so. Um, but uh, like, I, obviously, I watched like GSP and I watched uh, yeah, you know, those guys back in the day and BJ Penn. I remember was awesome and John Jones. But, B, uh, fun fact about BJ Penn, he learned how to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu in three years. Sorry, not learned, but he was a, he became a black belt in three years. Yeah, It's extremely insane. rare because most people take like 10, 12, but he was just... And I mean, he was one of the best ever, so, you know, <laughs> that makes sense. But uh, yeah, no, I, I guess uh, the UFC thing kind of just, you know, my girlfriend and I were just, you know, we just started watching it every, whenever there was a big fight on and then... She got really into it because she loved the way the she loved the way they respected each other after the fights. You know, it was all hugs and a lot of uh, a lot of respect between fighters. Um, you know, and and that's the thing. The UFC is unique that way. You can punch each other in the face for you know 20, 15, 25 minutes, and then after the fight's over, it's kind of just like mutual respect. You know, and so I think I think that's one of the things that I really appreciate about the UFC. It's a, it's fucking violent, but man, like. They respect each other, you know. It reminds me a lot about like how old, not old men, but like men in the old days used to handle things. Um, yeah. If it wasn't like a straight up like old Western shootout, if two men had a quarrel, they would politely step outside. They would make a ruckus. They would just go outside, mm-hmm. beat the shit out of each other. Whoever won, won, and whoever lost, lost. But they shook hands and they're like, "Hey, see you later." Uh, <laughs> you know, have a nice night. Or they went and grabbed a beer, like. It's hard to get angry, I think, or stay mad after you've just got all that out of your yeah. You know, you tried to beat somebody up. Like, uh, I don't know if that goes into the, the, the realm of martial arts, but I've always <laughs> found that interesting that two guys who had just finished beating the shit out of each other would just grab a beer, you know? Well, that's the thing. It's the, the respect thing. It's like, you punch me in the nose, I punch you in the nose, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I love uh, I love movies that break down fight scenes really well because it's not super obvious that it's an easy thing to record. Because some movies, like you see a fight scene, it's just like you're getting epilepsy watching it. But then yeah. some movies, it's like really well done. Like Daredevil. I, Daredevil, yeah, hundred percent. The original Sherlock Holmes with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that was pretty. Where cool. he has like that, he forecasts or he can predict or imagine what the fight is going to be yeah. what he's going to do and then he's like hey he's going to throw a right hook i'm going to bo- i'm going to i'm going to s- block it and then yeah. i'm going to punch him in the throat f- punch him in the throat like that was like the, one of the coolest scenes i've ever seen yeah and uh chess is a bit like or not chess but like fighting is a bit like chess that way yeah hey and yeah. you like chess too don't you oh yeah i mean i taught you how to play no yeah, I think you did i think you did in or france, so- in france we we did it i remember we- did you teach me though I don't. I. I don't know. I. Remember I think. We, I know you beat me easily. Yeah. For yeah. But uh, well, you, that's the, that's the thing. Like when when I was in France, when I was living in France there for 
like six months. <laughs> there wasn't much to do. You know, I, I drank a lot of wine. I played chess. I, uh, old Frenchman's. Yeah. I played, uh, football twice a week and then, you know, that's, then I traveled. That's, that really sounds good. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were playing pretty, uh, pretty often and your first move is uh night to C4 normally. Um, E4. E4. Yeah. The, I mean, you know, I try to mix it up nowadays, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you don't want to be too predictable. Yeah. It's crazy, man. After that show, uh, Queens Gambit came out, I went down the rabbit hole with all these different chess openings and there's so many ways to open yeah. a chess game, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Like there's, the, there's also so many ways to, to start an opening drive in an NFL game, you know, there's it, <laughs> same idea, right? It's like, uh, you know, that that's, and that's why I said sports, you know, rather than video games. Cause you know, I just, I just find that it's just, there's so much more to it. You know, I love my video games, but yeah. Yeah. And you were saying earlier that you're not maybe a super creative person, but I think that based on what you just said, you, maybe you are in the things you understand really well, like football and chess and foot cooking. Yeah. Like there's an element of creativity. Once you know the basics and you yeah. have the basics down cold yeah. that you can kind of start to play with. Right. Yeah. And, and just to go on the cooking thing, like, I feel like, uh, you know, people ask me sometimes like, oh, like, how did you make that sauce or how did you do this? And it's like, you know, once you understand the basics of, of what you're trying to do, like once you understand how to make a bechamel, you can make any you can make any sort of cheese sauce, Alfredo, whatever, whatever you want to make. And it just it just starts like that. You know, you, you don't you don't start um, you don't you don't go in the UFC if you just know how to kickbox. It's like you're going to get your ass kicked. Yeah. It's like you don't you don't just start cooking if you. If you only know how to make one thing, you know, you got to get a base of stuff of, of something right before you so you can go further in it. Yeah, for sure. If you don't have the basics down, you're just going to be, <laughs> you know, you won't be able to uh, you won't be able to expand on it properly. So you don't know what to expand. You don't know what the it's like we can't get creative with the uh, framing of a house if we don't have a good foundation for the house. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's awesome that you have that approach. Um, going back to your fitness pursuits, I mean you're pretty you're in pretty good shape I, I like to think that it was genetics and you got lucky or something but like you have a really good uh like you know body and stuff like that take care of yourself when it comes to your fitness goals do you have any like prs that you maybe hit in the past that you think you'll never pass like as far as like maybe running a 5k or doing benches or like your bench press or squat like what are your kind of uh personal pr goals or goals that you've hit that uh, maybe you're like, I'm, ne past. I'm never going to, that I'm never going to like surpass. Um, I would say one of them is the, uh, running a 5k in like 19 minutes and Jesus, uh, I don't forget how many seconds, but it was, it was under 20 minutes. And what's, what is the, uh, what's that pace or what's that? Uh, it's like four, four minutes, a four minutes, a kilometer. <laughs> so you're like pretty much Sorry. sprinting. Yeah. You're pretty much sprinting. Yeah. You're Yeah. You're sprinting. Did you have to work your way up to that? I mean, yeah. part of that is just natural athleticism, but then part of that is... Well, yeah, I, I like short distances when I'm running. Like, if I run long distances, it really hurts my... Uh, it really it just hurts my knees because of all my surgeries and stuff and just my joints. And I just feel like it's just not productive for me to run long distances. So I like the short distances. And since I'm going so short, you know, and I've always been a sprinter, I just said, fuck it, I'm just going <laughs> to sprint and see, how, uh, see what my time can be. Um, and that's kind of how that how it went but yeah so that that's one of them another one is uh probably i'll never squat as much as i ever squatted when i was playing football or bench right so i think my my highest squat was like 385 and my highest my my max bench i think it was like 
might have been 315, 325, something wow. like that. But like that's not happening again. <laughs> yeah, this, I don't. This, I don't even want it to happen again. Honestly, like that's that's a lot of. Uh, that's not. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to be a football player or a bodybuilder or anything like that anymore. So. Yeah, you got to stay limber. You have the diminishing returns at some point. Yeah, when you get older, it's like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Uh, so okay, so those are your PRs. What about for biking? Do you have any PRs that you'd like to? What are your trying to goals for distance or speed when it comes to biking? Not really speed, because I feel like you know, once you're in the Gatineau Park, especially if you're going on the downhills, you can get pretty fast. You can go like 70, 80 kilometers an hour wow. if, you're, if you're really going, um, which is a lot of fun. It's really you know it's exhilarating. You know you're just flying down the hill. Um, you got to wear glasses. So you don't want bugs in your eye when you're going that fast. Um, no doubt. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're, it wouldn't be around speed. It would be around distances. Yeah. Like, so don't you want to go hundred kilometers or something? Right? Yeah. So I, one of the, one of my goals to, uh, geez, I'm just giving away all my goals here on this thing. Um, one of my goals I want to do is bike from either Banff to Jasper or Jasper to Banff. Um, in Alberta. In Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I want to do that, that road. Um, Another one would be biking to uh, Montreal from from Gatineau, uh, doing it not on the highway, not on like the the main highway, but there's a, there's kind of like a back way you can go, a uh, different road you can take. Jeez, so, well, how would you celebrate Montreal after that bike ride? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> would you get like would you get a nice like uh, decadent meal or something like that? Probably a poutine. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, tell us about the poutine rating that you did. Yeah, I mean, I'm still ongoing. You know, I just I'm running out of poutine places to go to. Honestly, I'm just. Uh... But like that. Okay, so tell us a little bit. Okay, so Dexter, you started. Uh, you were coming home one day, and then from from uh, my friend's cottage, Heather's cottage. Right, and you stopped by the side of the road, and you said, "Hmm." I'm gonna before I eat this, I'm just gonna be like, I'm gonna rate these or something. Yeah, just like took that. a picture of it and posted it and said, This is a seven out of ten. <laughs> and what would you say makes a good poutine as far as like oh, what makes it like uh what got the high scores? What are the some of the things that you can find a poutine that makes it a high score? So whenever I'm judging poutine, I always get the uh the original. Just the cheese gravy fries. Like I don't mess it up, mm -hmm. so I keep it consistent through ever so all through all the rankings. Um, but what makes a great patin is you have to have amazing gravy. You have to have really squeaky cheese and you also have to have crispy fries that aren't overcooked and definitely not soggy. <laughs> so basically all three parts individually have to be incredible. Um, and then all three parts together have to sing. They just mm. have to all be happy, you know? And, um, if it doesn't have one of those things, let's say if, uh, the fries are delicious, but um, the gravy is too salty, ruins the whole thing. Mm. If if you have delicious gravy and unbelievable fries, but your cheese curds kind of like they don't squeak, and you could tell that it's lower grade cheese or whatever, like no, that's you, you know it's a waste of money basically. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. So the those three pillars have to be there, and you found that the one that was the best had all three of those. Yeah, Fromagerie Victoria. It's in uh, Sherbrooke. Wow. Uh, that is. By the, by far ten out of ten. I mean, it's they make their own damn cheese. Like, what kind of a what kind of a restaurant <laughs> makes their own cheese? Right. So, the, yeah, they won. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds legit. I mean, if you make your own cheese, you're you're in it to win it. <laughs> yeah, no, and they won. <laughs> yeah, they're they're the best. Nice. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully, I don't want to say like nothing can ever get on that level. I mean, I rated it ten out of ten. I didn't rate it, you know, eleven out of ten or whatever. So there's right. definitely. I'm sure there's there's more patin places. You know, I haven't really been to Montreal to try patin, so uh, 
Maybe maybe that's where I got to go next. I got to kind of expand a little bit here. Maybe hire a few people. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> okay, cool. Let's uh, let's 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 uh, look to wrap this up. But let's do lightning round questions here. Uh, who's gonna be the NBA champion this year? Predictions. Either Boston or Golden State. So just name one. Boston. Boston. NFL in 2022. Buffalo. Wow, I like that. Dad would like that. Yeah. Uh, hockey. I don't really watch hockey that much. I don't really know who's good. But, uh, I mean, Tampa Bay has been killing it, so let's say them. Tampa Bay. And baseball, we probably, I don't even know baseball. I don't, I don't watch yeah, baseball. Yeah, yeah, so okay. What I about don't really F- consider that like a, What about FIFA? FIFA. Uh, well, the World Cup, is that what you're asking? Yeah, World Cup winner. I mean, I last would love. Time, last time it was France. I would love for Canada to win. Actually, I was, I was in France when they won the World Cup. I was leaving France. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, that was that was fucking awesome. Actually, uh, being there while I w- it was going on, <laughs> dude. I was in England when um, Harry Kane scored against Colombia. Yeah. at a bar, and it was crazy. Like, yeah, it's it's a different level of uh, of nas- national pride when when something like that's happening. Uh, you know, all the, the whole city literally shut down for uh, whenever it was game day. The city shut down, and the only thing open was bars, and you couldn't drive anywhere because the streets were full of people. And, uh, yeah, it was a big ass party. So yeah, honestly, for the FIFA though, I would, I, it would be awesome if Canada won. Canada's not going to win, but it would be awesome if they could win. But, um, I would say probably France is going to do it again. They, they're pretty much running back the same team that, from, uh, from four years ago. They're stacked. Yeah. Yeah. So much speed and they're all really good strikers. Uh, okay. So we got France. Uh, who else, what else could we predict? Uh, that's all pretty much all the big leagues. Let's uh let's do a quickly quick lightning round about uh your all times. All time best album. Fuck, I don't have an all time best album. I have like an all time top ten. <laughs> okay, top <laughs> but, uh, three. Top three. Oh my god. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I, I honestly like I don't know. I just I love music. I don't even top, know. Top top three movies. Oh man. Well, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't say uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I can't yeah, for one sure. Movie. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I loved. Uh, um, oh, there's so many damn good movies. You know, like I, I just don't know. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. Like I like it would have to be genres. You know, I for sure. It's yeah. Like I don't know. I don't know. That's why it's a lightning round, man. I'm putting you on the spot. It's, it's fucking impossible to answer that question. No. I'm, I'm leaving out my other top. My other top five 20 movies, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, no, no. It's all good. Favorite book? Favorite book. Well, I would say Sapiens. I mean, I'm not, I don't really read novels that much. It's either Sapiens or Kitchen Confidential. Cause oh, I, I good was, one, yeah. When I was traveling, um, when I was doing my travels in Tahiti and uh, New Zealand, I, that's the book I was reading. And uh, I remember he is uh, the first like third of the book. He was, uh, he was talking about, um, um, just his experience in the kitchen and it really kind of like, um, related to me a lot for sure. And just how he like came up and, you know, worked his way to becoming one of the the head chefs at one of the most successful restaurants in New York city. And, you know, just the life of a kitchen guy, it's not easy. It's not meant for, a, it's not meant for everybody. And, uh, you know, I really related to that. Also, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. That, Shoe Dog, that, yeah. That, that book was awesome. I started reading that when I was in uh, Australia, when I got to Australia. And um, once again, the first third of that book, too, is is just uh, Phil Knight basically 
um, after he was done school, he just said, fuck it, I'm just going to go travel the world. And uh, so while I was traveling, I was reading a book about the guy who created Nike traveling. So it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty meta. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's three top ones. <laughs> That's three awesome. Top, top books, yeah. Uh, favorite, uh, favorite TV show of all time? Uh, the first five seasons of Game of Thrones. First six seasons of Game of Thrones, I should say. Mm. Uh, Dexter. No correlation. Um, uh, I don't know. Seinfeld, maybe. Seinfeld's up there. South Park is up there. South Park, yeah. South Park is. I would say. I would say either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Breaking Bad is also really good. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. I shouldn't. I shouldn't name it on there though. That's an honorable mention. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Honorable mention. Yeah. Cool. Uh, favorite uh, video game or games of all time. Um, my favorite video game is, uh, this is going to be real nerdy of me to say, but civilization. civilization oh yeah, sex. for sure. Yeah. Um, it, I just find it like, that it sense. literally combines everything that I'm interested in life. <laughs> it's like world history, geography, yeah. uh, politics, uh, governance, um, city planning, world building, literally one game and, uh, you can make the world how you want it. So that, and then also, um, either Assassin's Creed Black Flag or Ghost of Tsushima, um, God of War. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, favorite app of all time? Favorite app. Or app Twitter, you use Twitter. the most? Okay. Twitter. Dope. Uh, cool. I think that's pretty much all I got for you, Dex. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, any uh, final thoughts or comments or uh, closing thoughts for the uh, audience there today? Uh anything you'd like to share anything that you got on your top of your mind tip yeah, of your tongue do uh do things in life that um you find are really fun but are also extremely hard um because uh that'll get the best out of you and always always try to um be better like make like beat your own goals you versus you um because at the end of the day that's 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 all it is realistically you're you are you're in your own body and you're only you're only uh going you know it's, it's it's all about you essentially so be your own goals um you know make goals for yourself crush them and then make new goals um and then do things that are really hard um and do them because you like doing them not because you have to that's awesome dexter i appreciate that it's a great message uh, people uh people sometimes get I think people know that intuitively, but sometimes it's it's easy to forget that, that that's so important to um, keep coming back to in life. Uh, I was going to ask one more thing about your favorite fashion slash shoe brand, but we can we can maybe ask Nike. Nike, gotcha. Beautiful, well, actually, I'm not surprised. Pretty good shoe dogs, right? So, <laughs> yeah. shoe dogs book. Uh, awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, Dexter, and I appreciate your time today. As always, everyone out there, and until next time. Keep getting jiggy with it. <laughs> Peace. Thanks for having me on the show, Kim. Appreciate yeah, it. Of course.